The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you or somebody you know hoard? You aren't alone. Hoarding affects millions of people throughout the world. You can do something about it and regain personal control. Welcome to Take Back Your Life When Your Things Are Taking Over with host Elaine Birchall. Reduce and relieve yourself from the shame and blame clutter causes in your life. You can do it and we'll show you how. Now here's your host, Elaine Birchall. Hello everyone and welcome back to Take Back Your Life When Your Things Are Taking Over. Here for you every Wednesday from 10 till 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America's Variety Channel. Remember... Times change for most of us in all of our areas this week. I am Elaine Birchall, your host, and today my guest, Dr. Jane Burka, and I are here to help you understand procrastination better, learn what to do about it now, and make the plans you want and accomplish them. Today our goal is to give you great information if you are confused and discouraged about your habit of procrastinating. Approximately 35 people have contacted me this week alone when they heard about today's topic, saying that they're puzzled and feeling self-defeated. They say that they know what to do, but they just can't make themselves do it. There is a great deal to say about today's topic, Uh, Folks, the majority of people I mention the word procrastination to confide that they see themselves as procrastinators. Given the numbers, is that possible? If it is, I hope that as many as possible are listening in to today's show to get the insights and strategies they need to overcome this self-defeating choice. Dr. Burka and Dr. Ewan's book, Procrastination, Why You Do It and What to Do About It Now, has sold over 150,000 copies for good reason. And it's become my Bible in helping my clients with their procrastination choices. I strongly suggest that if procrastination is a factor in your life, you do yourself a favor and consider making it 150,001 copies. In the interest of getting the most information out to the most people, We're not going to have a call-in segment today. Instead, we're going to give our guest, Dr. Burka, all the time we have today to help us understand and better deal with this confounding behavior. But first, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Dr. Burka has been a licensed uh, therapist since 1980. Together with Dr. Lenore Yuen, Dr. Burka has co-authored a fabulous book titled Procrastination why you do it, and what to do about it. Their book, as I said before, has sold 150,000 copies, and it's caught the attention of People Magazine, The New York Times, Oprah, and 2020. 
In 2008, they published a revision, an updated version, to mark the 25th anniversary of the book, which was and still is in print. Change the title a little bit, Procrastination, Why You Do It, What to Do About It Now, which was rated 8 out of 10 by Get Abstract. Over her 30 years in practice, Dr. Burka has developed expertise in procrastination, adult children of alcoholics, relationship difficulties, divorce, creative blocks, trauma, grief, gender issues, illness and aging, and ethical dilemmas. Before we start, though, it should be stressed that the ideas, procedures, and suggestions contained in our program are not intended as a substitute for consulting with a psychiatrist, psychologist, or other mental health professional. All matters regarding your mental health require professional supervision. I am very excited to have Dr. Burke as our guest because she is such an authoritative source to help the thousands of people listening in today and many more who have said because of time commitments, they're going to listen in later. Hopefully they weren't procrastinating. Welcome, Dr. Burke, and thank you for giving us your time and being with us for today's show. So, Dr. Burke, just to start off, can I ask you, doesn't everyone procrastinate? Hi, thank you. Yes, everyone procrastinates on something because we are all so busy that you can't possibly do everything that you want to do or even everything that's expected of you. But I think the issue is sometimes procrastination gets in the way. Sometimes there's problem procrastination, and that's the kind of thing that I think we'll be talking about today. Right. How do you know, though, if procrastination is a problem for you? Well, it really depends on the kind of consequences you have suffered because of procrastination. You know, if you put something off because you actually need more information or you're not sure what to do, that's one thing. You you can work out of it. But if your procrastination is chronic or if it happens around the things that are the most important things in your life, if it has somehow... Um, been self-defeating for you, then it's a problem. And so I, I recommend that people think about the consequences of their procrastination. And really there are two kinds of consequences. One is the external consequence. Have you taken too long to pay your parking ticket and so now you have to pay a fine? Have you avoided your taxes and now they're after you? You know, have you waited so long to put up the fence in the backyard that your wife is mad at you? Um, Have you not submitted the application on time so you weren't considered for the job? Those are external consequences that you've paid a price for. And then there are also, and people don't always think about this, there are a lot of internal consequences of procrastination. Procrastination causes people anxiety and stress, um, sometimes uh, even physical symptoms, not being able to sleep because you're worried about what you're not doing. Um, And also, there are psychological consequences. People feel like a failure 
when they're procrastinating. Um, sometimes they um, feel that procrastination defines them, and so they lose confidence in themselves. So there are a lot of different consequences for procrastination, and the more um, chronic they are and the more widespread they are, the more procrastination is a problem. What are the ways that procrastinators approach work or think? Is that different? Is there Are there barriers? Are there uh, limiting beliefs or something that they do differently that results in the procrastination? Yes. Um, and it, I'm glad you asked that because people who don't procrastinate don't get it. They think, well, you know, I know how long something takes. Why don't you? But procrastinators do approach work and time differently. Um, for one thing, they tend to keep their goals in a very vague um, way. They don't think concretely about something. So it's like, well, I'll do this tomorrow, rather than thinking about, mm, what do I actually have to do tomorrow? Or, you know, I, I can read War and Peace in one night. Um, so they can be vague about what their situation is. They can think in very optimistic ways, like kind of a wishful thinking approach to work and a wishful thinking approach to how much time they have available. And then also procrastinators, um, they, they often are perfectionists, and they think if I'm not going to do it perfectly, it's not worth doing. Mm. When, you, when you ask a procrastinator, are you a perfectionist, they say, oh, no, I don't do anything perfectly. But perfectionism is an attitude. It's not really measured by, you know, how, how well you've done something or how much you've done. It's, right. it's an approach. So a procrastinator who has a a perfectionistic approach is really setting themselves up for failure in the first place. Absolutely. I see that all the time in my practice. After we explore procrastination, can we come back to perfectionism um, a bit? Because I think that is a hugely misunderstood concept and and that it, it affects so many more people than the number who actually can see it in themselves. And if you can't see it in yourself, you can't do anything about it. And it continues to be a block. I I think that that's right. Most people, really, they don't think of themselves as perfectionists. They think of themselves as having high standards. And they think having high standards is a good idea. And they think high standards motivate them. So perfectionism often is what we call egocentric. It fits for people. But um, perfectionism really is kind of, um, um, it's almost like a disease, you know. It's a silent disease because people aren't aware of it. When, When I was in high school, I wrote an essay and I used the phrase, the most perfect something. And the English teacher said, you have to say the most nearly perfect because there is no such thing as perfect or most perfect. And that has really stayed with me because when you think you have to be perfect or you have to produce something that's perfect, you have made a barrier for yourself. You've made a mountain that is so high that that sometimes you just don't feel like climbing it. It becomes overwhelming. Absolutely. And so 
I, I'm sorry, but you know, perfectionism um, really is uh, is more self defeating than motivating. Absolutely, I I agree one hundred percent. So when we're looking at the the um, obvious, the the observable uh, results of procrastination, what would you say the main causes of procrastination are? Well, most procrastination is related to problems of self esteem. Procrastination. People often misunderstand procrastination. They think of it as a problem of time management. Um, They think of it as an issue of uh, lack of willpower or lack of motivation, and they blame themselves. They get mad at themselves, like, you know, it's a weakness. But we think that procrastination is a behavior that actually protects people in some way, now, it's funny to say that because, you know, we were just talking about consequences. You pay a price for procrastination. But in some ways, it's more acceptable to feel like your problem is that you didn't get to work on time than to consider the other psychological issues that we've identified, such as fear of failure, fear of success, and fear of feeling controlled. Mm. So if we looked at fear of failing, I see that, I see that frequently, Um, and I think people can more easily be uh, made aware of how they're doing that. How how would you describe that continuum? Well, fear of failure really is um, an anxiety about proving yourself. And when people have a shaky sense of self-esteem or self-worth, they have a lot of anxiety about proving themselves and a lot of fear that if they actually do their very best, it still won't be good enough. And then they will feel like a failure. And a lot of procrastinators think that if you're not at the top, you're a failure. It's kind of an mm. all-or-nothing approach. Oh, my. So the, the thing about procrastination is if you put off a task or a project and then at the last minute you pull yourself together and you finally meet the deadline, if it hasn't gone as well as you wanted, if you don't end up with a product that's as good as you would have liked, you can say to yourself, well, if I'd given myself more time, it would have been much better. So but it's sort of like an you, out. Go ahead, please. So, so it's sort of like an out, a, a safety cushion. Yes, exactly. And it's ironic because it doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like a cushion. But it is a protection for self-esteem because if you're riding your self-esteem on what you produce, then every time you produce something, it's like, you know, there's a gun pointed at you. You're, you're under the gun. You're being evaluated based on what you've produced. And so a lot of people, unfortunately, have grown up with the feeling that their worth depends on what they do, how well they perform, and what they mm-hmm. produce. Mm-hmm. And if your worth is defined that way, then you really can't afford 
to do your very best and see what happens. Because if Ah. it's not good enough, you'll lose your feeling of self-esteem. Oh, my heavens. What a trap that is. I know that in my practice, that unconditional love and acceptance in childhood, which promotes self-worth, is reportedly not very common. So... The my ability equals my sense of self-worth is unfortunately experienced as extremely common and the basis for a lot of internal anxiety that just disrupts my clients. And maybe that's why procrastination is a prevailing feature of hoarding disorder. Well, yes, that could be because, you know, if you feel that your worth depends on something external, like maybe all the stuff that you have, then your your investment in that stuff is so high. And instead, we like to think that our self-worth ideally has to do with your value as a person, not Great. what you have or what you do. Great. We're going to t- go to a short break, Dr. Uh, Burka, and when I, we come back, uh, can we talk a little more about this and the other two uh, causes that you mentioned? Yes, good. Great. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If the financial markets interest you, if you want to potentially earn a higher return, if you're not satisfied with your investment returns, or if you're only making 1% on your investments sitting in the bank, do you see the stock market hitting record highs but feel you have no one to trust? Voice America's own Jordan Kimmel, the host of Magnet Investing for over seven years, is applying his strategies of magnet investing and is managing individual accounts. Jordan Kimmel has joined InvestView, the Red Bank, New Jersey investment education and asset management firm and his team can help you. Contact Jordan and the team at InvestView at 732-380-7271 or by email at jkimmel at investview.com. If you would like a complimentary portfolio review or to speak to a representative, call us. Past performance of investments are not indicative of future results. Investing is inherently risky. All recommendations should be researched by the investor. Call InvestView at 732-380-7271. That's 732 732- 807271 If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This is Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. 
So Dr. Burka, we were talking about the causes of procrastination and the second cause that you mentioned was fear of success. Can you tell us more about that? Because that sounds kind of contradictory. Well, it is because most people think that success is something everybody wants and if you get it, it's going to make you happy. But actually, that's not always the case because when you are successful, there's a lot of new experiences that come along. And some people are afraid of those experiences, like if you're the boss, you get promoted, now you're the boss, then, you know, the buck stops with you. You have to make the decisions, you have the responsibility, you're in the spotlight. And that adds to people's anxieties. And Uh another reason people are afraid of success is that they're worried that once they're successful, what happens? They just have to be more successful. They think of success like an escalator. Once you step on, you can't get off. So Uh it feels like the pressure is just going to build and build. There was, um, it's like an example is someone who's training to be a high jumper. And they try and they try, and finally they clear the bar and set a new record for themselves. And then they say, you know what? Then they raise the bar. So (laughs) there's always a next level. And so some people feel a need to avoid that kind of pressure. Um, And in addition, we were talking about, you know, self-worth before. There are people who feel that they don't deserve success. You know, that um, they're not worthy of success. And so procrastination, it's pretty obvious that procrastination interferes with success. What's not so obvious is that some people are afraid to be successful for those reasons. Hmm. Do you ever find that people are afraid of being alone if they're successful too? Like um, they'll be rejected by the group? Yes. Definitely. I think that people are afraid that if they're successful, they will lose relationships for one reason or another. It may be that if you are promoted above your colleagues, then you're no longer part of that group. It may be that um, you have a spouse or a partner who's not as successful as you, and then it can be kind of disruptive to your relationship. You have to rebalance things. It may be that you come from a family where you're, who, who are not as successful as you become, and that is a great dilemma for people because they feel like they lose their families. You know, I used to be a, a counselor at the University of California at Berkeley. That's where we first started doing our procrastination groups. And we often met students who were the first in their families to go to college. Mm-hmm. And so they were worried that if they did really well, they would then move so far beyond where their families were. And their families didn't really understand about college and about their courses and how much work they had to do and where they were headed, that it was it was a barrier between them and their families. And oh so sometimes the students would not do very well and maybe not even stay at the university. They'd have to go back home. And so their 
fear of losing their connection to their family really interfered with their ability to work. Right. You know, I had a manager one time who explained to me that um, getting the promotion only felt good for a very short while because after that, um, he didn't really feel like he had any friends. The dynamic of the relationship in the workplace and that work actually, this job he wanted that had, you know, extra uh, salary attached to it, extra status, actually Mm -hmm. became a bit of a lonely place to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that's right. And um, sometimes people, uh, I'm working with someone now who applied for a job and got the job and was going along fine. There was someone between him and the head of the company, and he really liked his, his boss. Well, after about six months on the job, his boss left, and he got promoted. So now he had to deal with the head of the company. And he's, he's not doing well with this at all. It makes him not even want to go to work. So he's actually doing less good of a job now that he's promoted because it's not really what he signed up for. Oh so, my. Um, you know, there's another aspect, too, to loneliness and success, which is that when you're the successful one, people envy you. Envy uh-huh. is a big issue. You know, the, the workplace now is so competitive Mm. That when when somebody succeeds above someone else, they are envied. And then envy, you know, is kind of a, a, a poison. Um, it, it makes people treat you badly or see you want to fail. And oh, so dear. people who are afraid of being envied sometimes procrastinate so as not to be the one who got the A or not to be the one who got the promotion. I guess it can make you a target for criticism too. the naysayers who they can't do it, but they can tell you what's wrong with what you're doing uh, kind of makes you a target for that. Right. And so if you're worried about being a target, then you procrastinate in such a way that you don't get yourself into a top position. That's very, very interesting. Um, we were talking also about the third cause for um, procrastination, that fear of feeling controlled, is it? Yes. You know, procrastination is an indirect way of saying, you can't make me do it. You know, so um, it's a way of not being controlled and doing things in your own time, in your own schedule, in your way. And for some people, going along with what somebody else expects, that is an insult to their self-esteem. For some people, their self-esteem depends on their sense of autonomy. I am my own person. You can't tell me what to do. And so for them, um, if they do something on time, if they meet somebody else's expectations, they feel like they've compromised themselves. Oh, dear. they feel like they have given in or they've been taken over. And so for them, procrastinating but maintaining their separateness, maintaining their own control over what they're doing, that makes them feel better than actually going along because cooperating to them feels like capitulation. And, and these are people who probably have grown up feeling highly controlled, you know, being ah. micromanaged, having someone hovering over them or judging them all the time. And now by procrastinating, they're saying, 
I don't have to do what you want me to do. And so if people aren't articulating that to themselves, if they can't pick that up from their own internal dialogue, what might signs be that a person should consider that they might be experiencing this fear of control? Well, that's a good question. I think actually um, for all of these fears, the thing to do is to look at where do you procrastinate? What is it that you're not doing? Because, you know, you brush your teeth twice a day. You know, there's some things you do all the time, and there are other things that you put off. So for the fear of being controlled, if the things that you put off are the things that somebody else asks you to do, you know, that's one sign. Um, if you put off things that um, represent the bureaucracy, like you don't do your taxes on time, you don't pay parking tickets, um, you know, the uh, you don't file um, something when it's supposed to be filed. When you're fighting bureaucracy, that's a sign that you don't want to be controlled. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. This is Take Back Your Life When Your Things Are Taking Over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. So, Dr. Burka, one of the things that I uh, hear a lot in my, and I work very hard on with my clients because they're so overwhelmed and feeling broken, flawed, you know, something wrong with them, is their sense of competence. And something you said kind of struck me that the world isn't a safe place. It isn't predictable, and I'm not up to managing it. 
Um, can you speak about that uh, fundamental belief that some people have, certainly a lot of my clients, and what how that might play out with procrastination? Because I think we probably have thousands of people listening today. I got a call before the show from Prince Edward Island. I got another one from California. So people are listening that whole distance between about this. Yeah. Well, you are right that there are a lot of people who don't feel safe in the world. And I think that that starts when you're born and you can, you know, um, see how it expands in the family, in school, in the workplace, and in the environment, and in the world. You know, there are certain ways in which we are not safe. But when someone um, doesn't have a fundamental sense of security, then everything they do is much more highly charged. They are um, really worried about how they're going to manage. They don't have the ground under their feet. And so when you feel like you don't know how to manage, or like you said, if you don't feel competent, um, then you don't have the confidence to take risks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, procrastination is an anti-risk kind of behavior. You, You do, of course, risk the consequences we talked about, and you risk upsetting people. But you don't risk your own value, you know. And so I think that when people don't feel safe, they find ways of hiding. And procrastination is a way of hiding. It's hiding okay. who you really are. Okay. And, and a way of protecting yourself from the ultimate failure, which is accepting that you are a failure. Yes, well, accepting that you have limits. I mean, I wouldn't say most people are failures, but I would say if you think you have to be perfect, then most people are failures because, in point of fact, most people are average. You know, that's what average means. So, But nobody wants to feel average. So I think that people protect themselves from um, putting themselves to the test, whatever that test might be. And that's where procrastination comes in. And so how does that play out with relationships? Because, you know, we live in the workplace, in in our personal lives, go to the store, just the business of life. Um, And there's always other people that we have to cooperate with. It plays out poorly in relationships. Because for one thing, when you promise something to someone and then you procrastinate for whatever reason, they don't like it. And so you have a boss who's mad. You know, your job is to make your boss look good. But if you don't turn in the data that your boss needs for his or her report, then they don't look good. So um, people who um, to whom you report get quite irritated. And... Um, and also in, in personal relationships, you know, especially if one partner in a relationship is a procrastinator and the other one isn't, there's a gulf of misunderstanding uh. um, because everybody has a different relationship to time. It turns out that, and this is true whether we're talking about the workplace relationships or intimate relationships or in the family, between parents and children. People have a subjective sense of time. 
there, we used to say there's no such thing as a procrastination gene, but it actually turns out that biologically, we all have something called clock genes, and they're oh. these cells that regulate our biorhythms and our relationship to time. And so for some people, their subjective sense of time is like very close to what the clock says, very close to what the calendar says. But for other people, just biologically, their subjective sense of time is different. Time moves more slowly for them, or time feels like it goes very fast for them. And so people with who were able to tie themselves to the clock and the calendar don't have any understanding of what it's like for somebody who's wired differently. So there's that basic problem in relationships of people not getting each other. And then, you know, people who have anxiety about performing, but the way they deal with that is they work really hard. They don't understand why somebody else who has anxiety about performing would not perform. So there's a, a real lack of understanding between people who procrastinate and people who don't. Oh, very, very interesting. I see that a lot, actually, mm-hmm. um, in, in my client base. So how do we stop procrastinating? Well, to stop procrastinating, first of all, it helps to understand why you're doing it because then you realize that the issue is not really how you're working or not working. The issue is about some kind of anxiety and a way of protecting yourself. So you have to identify that. But then there are really specific things that you can do, whether you understand or not, that, um, that will help. And so the first thing I would say, I have to tell you the thing that helped me the most, because I was a big procrastinator, no surprise there, I spent 10 years in graduate school, so I know what I'm talking about. Um, (laughs) But the thing that has helped me the most in overcoming this is to do a little bit at a time. Most procrastinators, they, they wait a long time to start, and then they feel like they need all the time it takes to do the project. Well, none of us ever has all the time we need to get something done from beginning to end, typically. Not a big project. So the most important thing is to feel like you can use a little bit of time to work on something, even 15 minutes. And so I've suggested that people get a clock and, or their, their, um, their phones and set it for 15 minutes and work on whatever it is that you've been putting off for that amount of time. Because really, most of us can stand to do anything for 15 minutes. Right. So that's, that's one thing that's so important is to use little bits of time. A- another um, technique that really works is to think about your goal or your project in really specific ways. Because a lot of procrastinators in their way of thinking, they keep things vague. You know, I mean, when we did these um, procrastination groups at the university, and we would say to the students, I say we because Dr. Ewan and I did these together, we would say to the students, um, well, let's see, uh, when is the deadline for your paper that you're not working on? And they would go, I don't know. So, you know, they would keep the whole thing very vague. Um, And so... um, 
it's really important to be very specific about what your goal is and when it needs to be done by. And one thing that procrastinators do is they say to themselves things like, I have to get organized or um, I have to write a report. And that kind of global description, it really doesn't help. What helps is to think of something in terms of a, a concrete act that you will do that means progress, something you could even take a picture of yourself doing. So you can't, to say I'm going to get organized, that doesn't help you, but to say I am going to spend half an hour filing the papers on my desk, that you can do, you know, or I'm going to um, go out in the backyard and measure how much lumber I'm going to need to build this fence, or I'm going to write four emails, whatever it is, to make it very specific. When we did our procrastination groups, we found that people could help each other make their goals be specific. In other words, you have the skill to do it, but the person who had the project had trouble being specific. So it can help to maybe work with someone else to get clear about what exactly is your project. That's great advice. Can you tell us a little about the cycle of procrastination? Um, Well, the cycle of procrastination is something that chronic procrastinators will recognize. It starts out with great optimism. Oh, oh, okay, this is what I have to do. I can do that. I don't have to start now because I have plenty of time, but um, I can do that. And um, then the next thing that happens is people don't do it. <laughs> and we're talking about procrastinators. They don't do it. And so then there's a little bit of anxiety that builds up. Well, I better get started. I have to start soon. And so there's an awareness that they haven't gotten anywhere, but there's still confidence. Then, as things move along and you're still not doing anything, there begins to be a question in your mind. What if I don't start? It dawns on you that maybe you're not actually going to get this done. And so, you know, that's that's kind of a a paralyzing time because (laughs) this is where you start to get mad at yourself. You don't, you know, you don't have the confidence. You don't trust yourself. That's another actually internal consequence of procrastination. People lose trust in themselves. Mm. So then you say to yourself, oh, I should have started back at the beginning. You know, or you start running around doing things that keep you busy, but you're still not really working on your project. Or you start to feel burdened and anxious, and then you feel like, well, you better not go have any fun because you're not working on your project, but you can't run around and do have something fun to do either, so they kind of think, and so as, as time gets closer, the anxiety builds up, and, and then people have to kind of face the music of the deadline and either actually break through and do it or let it go, you know, and when you let it go, you feel really badly about yourself. Of course. And if you break through and do it, Usually you say to yourself, well, this isn't so bad. Why didn't I start sooner? And, you know, the other thing about the the cycle of procrastination is that when you finally 
do start to make that push at the end, you can't be a perfectionist. You only Uh have time to get it done. And so you throw your perfectionism out the window and you, you know, you, you throw your, um, your uh, kind of optimistic or omnipotent goals out the window and you just do it. And that's when you say to yourself, why didn't I just do it sooner? And then you say to yourself, well, next time. I'll get started right away, but that doesn't always happen. <laughs> Not always. Uh, so we were—we have a few minutes left. I'm really happy that we do. Can we kind of peel the lid back a little, the top back a little on perfectionism? You outline in your book, and I have to say, I, this is not a plug. I just love your book. I, I thank you. It, it is my Bible when I'm working with so, so many of my clients. And when I read them segments from your book, you just see the light dawn. It's so practical. Um, so so the first is mediocrity builds contempt. Can you give us just a thumbnail on what's, what that's about? Well, I think that nobody likes to feel mediocre. And yet, as I said before, not everyone can be at the top all the time. But if you have perfectionistic standards, then if you do something that is average or even just good enough, you have contempt for it, you know, and then you have self-contempt. It's an Hmm. attitude that... You know, you find this in some families that are very high-achieving, where they put a lot of pressure on their children mm-hmm. to achieve, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's that question of, why did you get an A-, minus, you know, or why did you get this B? And there's contempt that goes along with that, and, and that contempt is one of the things that really harms a person's self-esteem. Oh. I got an A-, minus and my father was disappointed. You oh. know, I got a B... And my mother cried. And, and so the attitude that um, anything that isn't perfect is contemptible has a devastating effect on self-esteem because then you never have the feeling that good enough is okay. Right. And not the, probably not the ability either if you're always afraid of being judged by others or judging yourself harshly, there's no middle ground for deciding which of the tasks you can do good enough and which very few need to have a higher level of excellence. Yes, that's a really good point because that's another aspect of perfectionism that it feels like everything has to be done at 100% effort and 100% success. And Excuse me, and so people can't really differentiate between what's important and what isn't. It's very hard to set priorities about, you know, the, the 20% that matter and the 80% that doesn't matter if you feel like everything has to be done perfectly, everything has to be done by you. Then it, you can't delegate if you're a perfectionist and you feel like you're the only one who knows how to do it right. Then you have too much to do, then you're overwhelmed, then you procrastinate. You know, in my practice, and I'm sure beyond that as well, but I can only speak to my own practice, I see so many people who want to do it alone. They mm-hmm. uh, they can't accept or they're fearful or they're reluctant to accept help. 
Um, I mean, my help sometimes, you know, it's it's an effort to kind of get them to see the, how that will work positively for them. Is there something about perfectionism that makes it more likely that somebody just wants to do it alone? Yes, I think so, because they feel that they're the only ones who can really make it the way they want it. But I also think that perfectionism, if it comes from having been treated as though you have to do everything perfectly, then they don't really have faith that other people will accept them. They don't have the faith that somebody will help them. They may be much more worried that somebody will judge them. And so doing things alone is like a way of avoiding dealing with someone else who might be critical. Now, usually, it's not really the other people who are critical. Usually, it's Uh self-criticism. And the person is afraid that somebody else will think of them and judge them the way they judge themselves. Most people are kinder to us than we are to ourselves. Oh, that's true. So um, I think that doing things alone is is a little bit like, um, you know, staying away from the risk that somebody will think as badly of us as we think of ourselves. Uh, there are two things before we have to wind up in about four or five minutes. Um, can you say something about the belief that there actually is a right way to do anything? Yes, that, of course, is a perfectionistic attitude also. Um, I, I think that when, when people have to make a choice and they worry about making the wrong choice, they have a belief that there is a right choice. Like, you know, if you have to decide whether you're going to move to Texas or Arizona and you spend all your time trying to research these two places and then you can't make up your mind, it, 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 it come, it's because there's a sense that there's one right answer. One of these choices is going to make your life better, make you happy, solve everything. And so if you have that kind of um, uh, weight on a choice that it has to be right, then you can put off making the choice because there's a fear you'll make the wrong choice. Right. So if you think there's one right way, that means that everything else is wrong. Absolutely. And so procrastination keeps you from having to confront that. We have about two minutes. Can you tell us as much as you can about the two mindsets, fixed and growth? Because that seems to me to be a really user-friendly way for people to rethink their mindset. Yes, a, a fixed mindset is like what we said about a one right way. It's a, a sense that um, there's something rational and objective and um, linear, and there's good and bad, and any mistake you've made is because you weren't good enough. The growth mindset looks at um, everything that comes your way as an opportunity for learning. So if you try your best and you don't get it, then you try again. And there isn't the judgment that comes with, this is a success or this is a failure. The growth mindset is much more of a process orientation that if you are trying 
and learning that's what is good enough. And very often when people have that sense of, um, I'm just going to do this as an experiment and see how I do, and I'll learn from it, they actually end up doing better. Um, I, I knew someone who um, had a boss who would tell her, this is what you've done wrong. And my friend would say, oh, thank you for pointing that out, <laughs> which is a very different approach from, oh, I'm humiliated, you know, now nobody likes me. And I'm a I, failure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So the the growth, how, if you could in like a minute, tell us, what would what is key to people being able to flip into a growth mindset? Flip themselves into a growth mindset. Um, well, I guess it would be to have compassion for yourself that everything is a learning opportunity, and if what you're trying to achieve in your life is growth, which means moving from where you are just to the next place. Not getting to the ends, not getting to the pinnacle, but taking one step in the next good direction. That's a growth mindset. I love that. That's so um, gentle. I, I tell my clients all the time, be gentle with yourself. Yes. You're not perfect. You're not supposed to be perfect. Right. Um, and if, you know, at the moments when you think you are perfect, it's going to last very, a very, very short time because the next experience is coming, right? So right. anyway, so Dr. Burka, thank you so much for giving us your time today. I can't tell you how many people um, were counting on this information and really, I certainly appreciate it as a therapist. Um, and everyone, if you're out there and you're feeling stuck, uh, procrastinating, you think you might be, please do yourself a favor and go and get procrastination, why you do it, and what you can do about it now. It would be the best purchase you ever made. And that's something from me, a hoarding specialist. Thank you very much. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Elaine Birchall for another edition of Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you declutter your home and your life again next week.